Now, the making of a good compilation tape is a very subtle art. Are you ready? Yes. No, babe, are you ready? Do you know what a cassette is? Play it. Don't you want to hear what's next? I don't hear any music. I made that tape special for today. So, music? A show where we basically create a mixtape for you, like we did in the 90s. I just, I thought this tape was going to be a conversation stimulator. Cassette, cassette, cassette. Welcome to the mixtape. Every week we are serving up an hour-long mixtape. 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 90.3 KRNU, welcome to the mixtape. We've got a new mix this week, and I am joined by Assistant Professor Brian Petrata. He's an assistant professor here at CoJMC in Sports Media and Communications. You know, longest title in the universe. <laughs> it is, because it's such an exciting topic, right? Sports is never-ending. There's so much to study and, and teach. It's wonderful. Right. It's sports. It's media. It's communications. What isn't it? <laughs> That's right. Sports touches us in so many ways. It does. And we're not talking about sports at all today. <laughs> not really. No. But see, we all have varied interests. And I found out from a Twitter post that you have interests in REM. Absolutely. I, I kind of credit REM with, with turning around my musical tastes. So 1991, I went from Aerosmith, Bon Jovi, to hearing Losing My Religion by REM, yeah. and that completely changed my tastes um, and set me on a whole new path. So obviously the early 90s were grunge too. So did you kind of forego grunge and go right into college rock, or did you do it all? Really forego, forwent. Foregone? <laughs> it was a foregone conclusion that I would <laughs> skip over uh, Nirvana, Pearl Jam. I, I respected what they were doing. You know, they they were the the kings of integrity, right? So there's all this big guitar rock. There's hair. You know, I was coming out of the hair band thing, and then there's this band that plays this song with a mandolin, and I couldn't get it out of my head. And so me growing up in rural Kansas, the one place I'm going to hear this is if they break through on mainstream radio, and they did. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I, I bought the album immediately and uh, been an REM nut ever since. That's amazing. I love the mandolin and now appreciating classic country and sort of the alt country, which we're going to get to some of that here, too, in the show. I, I love the mandolin. I love the banjo. I love all of that interesting instrumentation that we definitely were not getting through grunge. Yes, yes. Soundgarden with a mandolin is like, (laughs) uh, gives me pause. (laughs) I'd love to hear it. What we're going to do here in the mixtape is not even just stick with REM. That was the jumping off point. But you're like, oh, no, no, that's not specific enough. Let's talk about Peter Buck. Why Peter Buck? Well, Peter Buck, to me, was the captain of integrity. Okay, so he he was the guy that was just uh, a little too cool to be popular, but it worked for them. Uh, you know, the, their entire sound, everything about REM was anti what was popular at the time. You still had the monoculture at that point to a certain degree. It was MTV in the 80s, right? It was the hair bands. Uh, You had to look good in a video and that kind of thing. And REM did exactly the opposite. These were, you know, four kind of dorky looking guys from uh, a small town in Georgia. And uh, they just enjoyed playing music together. Uh, Peter Buck was playing jangly stuff like the birds from the 60s. That wasn't cool in 1980. And yet they found a way to break through and become, you know, perhaps the most important U.S. band of the 80s. And so, uh, you know, Peter Buck in interviews and everything, it, it, he's a little flippant sometimes, um, but it, it works for him. It's it's charming enough. I actually really like the choice of Peter Buck over Michael Stipe, not because Michael Stipe, there's anything wrong with that. I mm-hmm. mean, that would be a great show, too. But I think arguably the REM sound is defined by the jangle. There's something, Michael Stipe is Michael Stipe, and his vocals matter, and Mike Mills and the harmonies, those matter a great deal, particularly on the early stuff, Life's Rich Pageant and Superman, which is a cover, which most people don't know. But uh, that jangly guitar is such a through thread, and I don't think R.E.M. sounds like R.E.M. without it. So Peter Buck is like the foundation of all of this. Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like from origin stories and what have you, you know, Peter Buck was the cool guy working in the record store yes. and Michael Stipe comes in and that's how they meet. I mean, it's just a great story. It's a great narrative. And of course they did. Of course they did. <laughs> Let's form a band. <laughs> yeah, it's the dream. So we're starting off with an R.E.M. song and then we're going to explore all of the other things that Peter Buck's done because he has a, a huge catalog of albums that he's guested on, that he's produced. He's done a ton of things. But you got to start with R.E.M. and you chose Begin the Begin. Uh, this is from Life's Rich Pageant, came out in 1986. Why this song out of the entire R.E.M. catalog? 
Well, I, I love the 80s REM sound. I, I was introduced to them in 1991, right? But, of course, you, you figure out quickly that there was a decade of stuff before that. Right, and that history exists, and you're like, yeah. wait a minute. Yeah. Huh. It's, it's a big deal when you're 14 that there was life before you, right? Life's Rich Pageant is probably my favorite album of theirs. I, I, it's hard to argue against Automatic for the People as their best, <laughs> but I think Life's Rich Pageant from front to back is my favorite. And this song kicks it off. It's called Begin the Begin, and it just kind of has that classic big Peter Buck guitar sound. This song, Begin the Begin, is a tremendous uh, representation of what Peter Buck was for R.E.M., especially in that first uh, eight, nine years. So this is Begin the Begin. It's R.E.M. on the mixtape on 90.3 KRNU.
90.3 KRNU, welcome back to the mixtape. This week's mixtape is all about the universe, the career of Peter Buck, the guitar player from REM. And I'm joined by Brian Petrata, who is an assistant professor of sports media here at the College of Journalism and Mass Communications at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Woo! Big breaths. Good thing you work in radio. Uh, What we just heard was the Decemberists. So that was from the King is Dead album. uh, And then it was a big hit. It was called Down by the Water. Yeah, that was a a number one record. They're they're first and only. Um, And so this song was, I I, I guess, I call it an NPR hit. (laughs) Yeah, right. I mean, it wasn't like, it it wasn't uh, on the radio with two chains or something. Yeah, right, right. Uh, But but it was huge. It really took them to another level as a band. And uh, fortunately, they still make interesting music. And in fact, uh, shortly after that song, came out, REM broke up, right? Um, I think this was 2010, and they broke up in 2011. And uh, so shortly after that, I was talking with a friend, and we were talking about the Decemberists, and he said, I'm so glad the Decemberists exist because I don't miss REM as much. Yeah, that's a great point. The Decemberists, I love the harmonies, the vocal harmonies, male and female vocal harmonies. And then down by the water in particular, it's got Neil Young vibes all day long. Harmonica on that thing. It's really a rich instrumentation. And Peter Buck plays mandolin on some of that album, right? But mm-hmm. what does he play on Down by the Water? Uh, I think he plays the, the acoustic guitar on that one. Um, and uh, that that riff is, is very much, a, a, you can hear the Peter Buck in it. In fact, if I remember right, someone did a mashup of that in R.E.M.'s The One I Love. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty close. It's pretty close. <laughs> I mean... Yeah. It's like John Fogarty suing John Fogarty. Uh, yeah, kind yeah. of, yeah. I mean, right. but he was on that song, and, and that's pretty much what we're doing with this entire mixtape, is just exploring how Peter Buck has had his hands on all of these projects. The next one, it's a little more of a direct hands-on. It's Hindu Love Gods, which I don't think most folks would have heard of. Hindu Love Gods is essentially the group REM minus Michael Stipe, but replacing Michael Stipe with Warren Zevon. You know, Werewolves uh, of London fame. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> and I love War- like Warren Zevon has some truly twisted songs, and I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, he was an underrated songwriter, I think. Um, the fact that he's not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame crushes me. But I remember how much Dave David Letterman loved Warren Zevon. Yes. And it was such it's such a strange part of my childhood remembering watching Letterman and seeing how obsessed he was with Warren Zevon. Yeah, so much so that when Warren you know passed away from incurable lung cancer, David Letterman had him as his musical guest for a full week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was really touching and they had some the, the last night they had a wonderful conversation. Like Warren at this point knew that, that it wasn't long. Yeah. And David Letterman asked him, What do you want people to know? What what should people who are going on know? And Warren Zevon said simply, enjoy every sandwich. And we will. We, we do. Will. So Hindu love gods. I feel like this happened between green and out of time. Is that about where this was in the history? I, I believe so. Yeah, it was very late 80s. Um, yeah, it was definitely before out of time. How would you describe the sound of Hindu love gods? <laughs> Uh, it sounds like four guys having a blast, really. <laughs> and, and this, I think, kind of sets the tone for Peter Buck's solo career is that they, they clearly just got in a room, they banged out some songs, and uh, they put it on tape and decided to release a record. It, there was no pressure. There was no um, no plans to make this a commercial thing whatsoever. They just had a blast. And so this, the, the cover of Raspberry Beret, I think, is indicative of that. It's a straight-ahead rock and roll version of Raspberry Beret. And I absolutely dig it. You know, not all Prince covers work, but this one does. Indeed, it (laughs) does. This one definitely does. This is Raspberry Beret. It's Hindu Love Gods on the Peter Buck mixtape on 90.3 KRNU. She 
90.3 KRNU. We're back to the mixtape. This is the Peter Buck mixtape, and Brian Petrata is joining me talking about REM and all of the ways that Peter Buck helped and influenced and produced and guested on all of these other artists' albums. We just heard the Jayhawks. This one was from the Paging Mr. Proust album, and the song is Quiet Corners and Empty Spaces. Yeah, this was great. This was the lead single from what was kind of a comeback record for the Jayhawks. They'd been relatively dormant for a few years, and um, this collection of songs just really reinvigorated me into the band. Um, I got to see them on that tour. It was wonderful. Um, They sounded spectacular. This group, uh, so they've had a few iterations, a few different members who have come and gone, but uh, the group that 
uh, got together for this comeback album was my my favorite, I think, conglomeration of people that's uh, that's put out their records. And so this album, from top to bottom, I, I adore. Um, and, and this single was kind of a classic Jayhawks single to get it started. What's interesting about the Jayhawks, and there's, there's several bands on this list that kind of fit into this category, is it's one of those bands that people have heard of but probably haven't heard. And it reminds me in some ways of, like, Big Star, mm-hmm. where... You have these bands that you love, and if you are a child of the 90s and 80s, you're pouring through interviews and album liner notes to see what bands they were inspired by. And you always come up with bands like Uncle Tupelo, again, Big Star, the Jayhawks, all of those bands come up over and over and over again, and you're like, okay, well, I guess I probably need to give that another listen. Um, Jayhawks are from Minneapolis, if I'm correct. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, part of the the Minneapolis sound, if you will, another just uh, tremendous pipeline there. They were coming up about the same time as R.E.M., the very 80s. I mean, it doesn't sound like the 80s. Like It doesn't sound like Pebbles or Sheena Easton or something, (laughs) but uh, came up in the 80s, and they were together for a long time. Are they still together? Uh, They are. Some iteration. Some iteration, yes, (laughs) yes. Um, But uh, Gary Loris, their primary singer-songwriter, uh, he still writes. He did a lot of live streams during the pandemic, but he works very quickly. That's the thing about Gary Loris, and I think that's probably how this, uh, at least in part, came together with Peter Buck. Um, on when he's producing, in particular, he doesn't like to fiddle around with um, the stuff in the studio for too long. He likes to get in, write some songs, record it, and get it out. And Peter Buck's role on this Jayhawks album was he produced the whole thing, right? Yeah. Or co-produced it, I believe. Yeah, with the band, yeah. The next band, he has more of a... I don't even know quite how to say it. I mean, he has an interest in all of these things, but he's like a co-songwriter. He's in the instrumentation on it. Is he singing on the next one, too? Uh, I, if, if he sings, sure. it's backing vocals. He doesn't sing lead on any of the songs, yeah. Arthur Buck. It's Joseph Arthur, who he went on to work with again later, too, and Peter Buck. Yeah. So it's a duo. This song is very different than the others, Are You Electrified? It was one of the the ones, as I'm prepping for the show, that was the hardest to find any information on. So was it kind of, did it just never take off? Was it intended to never take off? Yes and yes. Um, <laughs> yes and. So again, this one this one maybe is is an exemplar of, of what Peter Buck does now. He gets some song ideas. Uh, he maybe hears something in his head. He has a friend. And he calls up the friend and says, hey, what are you doing? And they send some ideas back and forth. They get about four or five songs together. And then they just decide to go into a studio and record something. And that's really about it. For Now, Peter Buck has a lot of money. Let's be clear about this. So he can afford to do things like that. He just makes music with people that he wants to make music with. He liked Joseph Arthur. He had some songs that he thought would be good. So they put some ideas together, and they did what uh, seems to be a one-off uh, project. I, I don't know if they'll work together again, but um, the first, uh, particularly the first side, like side A of this album is phenomenal. And this song is probably the most accessible out of any of them. Arthur Buck, Are You Electrified? on the mixtape on 90.3 KRNU.
project a weird name for a thing but we'll get there i'm here with brian petrata and we are talking about the universe of peter buck so all things peter buck the guitar player from rem but he did a lot more than that for the baseball project this was sort of a we're gonna call it a super group but super group in quotations because it's not a super group of anybody else anyone's really that familiar with but if you're in this space if you love this genre of music it's a super group Right. If you're again, if you're a fan of '80s college rock, you might know the Dream Syndicate. There you okay? go. That's that's about as accessible as this uh, supergroup gets outside of Peter Buck. <laughs> and the Dream Syndicate, um, that was more like, oh, what did they even call it? Paisley Underground. 
The Paisley Underground California scene is sort of very related to, you said earlier, the birds and those kinds of things, kind of piggybacking on the psychedelic, but then bringing in the 80s jangle pop. Right. So Dream Syndicate was part of that. So Steve Wynn from the Dream Syndicate, and then I think it's his wife on Mm -hmm. drums for the baseball project. Yeah, Linda Pittman. And then, of course, Peter Buck. So uh, another band that's had a few iterations. So Mike Mills sings and plays on one of the songs on this first record. They have two other albums after this one, and actually Peter Buck is not on those, but Mike Mills stayed on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they always have to have just like some little chunk of REM uh, in the baseball yeah, project. Right. Well, and, and they, I should say Scott McCoy is through all of this as well. So Scott McCoy is a guitarist who toured with R. He was a touring musician with REM for most of their bigger from about 1994 when they uh, toured behind Monster yep. and on. McCoy was on all of those tours after that. Those those albums got really really big. So I mean, not just in popularity, but in sound. Yeah. And so you got to have more folks, right? So the baseball project strange name for a band why are we called the baseball project well first of all we just had to work in some sports in this since i am a (laughs) sports media professor sure right so the baseball project is is kind of fun this super group if you will uh are big baseball fans and they just got the idea to do an entire record of baseball themed songs and this this first album is amazing because they don't take the obvious baseball topics. Sure. Like, these are hardcore baseball fans, and so they want to talk about things that uh, the hardcore baseball fans They're not know. doing center field. Right. No, no covers of, of John Fogarty here. No. <laughs> Why That's... is John Fogarty coming up so much today? <laughs> <laughs> He's everywhere. He's on the brain, I guess. But yeah. So, uh, Ola America is the song. Yeah, so this is um, about Louis Tiant, who was a pitcher who uh, basically escaped Cuba, um, came out on a boat, to the United States and became a, one of the dominant pitchers of his time. So he was really one of the first Cuban defectors uh, in in the major leagues. So that one was really interesting to me. I had never heard, I had heard the Dream Syndicate, obviously I've heard R.E.M., but the Baseball Project was brand new to me, so I was so excited to hear that song. Yeah, the, 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 the entire record's fun. And they dig deep. They dig deep <laughs> in the topic. So it scratches two itches for me. It scratches the R.E.M. itch and it scratches the sports itch. It's, it's, a, it's perfect. They were a band made for me. <laughs> I was going to say, like, how I don't know about records sold, but maybe we could just do records sold to Brian. Yeah, there you go. Like, that's a metric. Every time, yeah. The next band is one that many folks, particularly if you like this kind of music, have heard of because they're one of those bands that everybody cites as being really, really important to alt-country, and that's Uncle Tupelo. Uncle Tupelo is the precursor to two additionally important bands, Wilco and Sunvolt. Are you more of a Wilco guy or are you more of a Sunvolt guy? Now more of a Wilco guy. Interesting. When they first split, I was more of a Sunvolt guy. So right out of the gate, Sunvolt Trace, that record, is still one of my all-time favorite records. Um, I saw them several times on that tour. Um, just that they kind of a big guitar sound, but also the delicate acoustic stuff. Um, it, it's a perfect album for driving cross-country, even though it's only like 45 minutes long. But <laughs> you just stick it on repeat and just go from California to New York, and you'll be happy. Jay Farrar is one of those fo- If you were very into Uncle Tupelo, you're very accustomed to Jay's voice, and so you might be more likely to gravitate towards Sunvolt. But, man, Jeff Tweedy is a slow burn. So Uncle Tupelo, what was Peter Buck's role on this album, which was March 16 through 20, 1992. Yeah, so Peter Buck actually produced this one. Uh, so this is at the height of, of R.E.M., right after um, Out of Time came out, before Automatic for the People came out. R.E.M. didn't tour behind Out of Time or Automatic, which is kind of mind-blowing. Like, they're two best-known records to the general public. They didn't tour behind them. And so Peter Buck had some time on his hands, and let's let's produce this record. And it kind of set the tone for his his post-REM career. The title of the, the record says it all. It's March 16th through 20th, 1992. That's when they were in the studio. That's it. <laughs> they got in a studio for a week. They knocked out a record, and everyone was happy. And then that was just it. And that was it. Okay, yeah. there we go. This is Moonshiner. It's Uncle Tupelo on the Peter Buck mixtape on 90.3 KRNU. And 
train Wondering and wishing I could disappear again I've been killed by love Still it takes me to the end of the line And if you feel my love won't leave you If your sorrow has been your share If you are .3 KRNU back to the mixtape all about Peter Buck today and Brian Petrata is with me talking about Peter Buck's entire career producing playing mandolin playing guitar being an REM just slip that in huge baseball fan all the things all the things <laughs> he, he just he strikes all the chords if you will <laughs> Nancy Griffith I mean out of everyone that we are playing this hour besides Peter Buck of course Nancy Griffith is like a titan yeah. I mean incredibly important influential artist that one was called going back to georgia from her uh it was mid 90s maybe 94 i think that's right yeah album flyer and she's one of those that i knew nancy griffith because she's on a bunch of stuff like she sings with john prine and all of these huge classic country folks what is peter buck's relationship to nancy Griffith? how does this happen yeah i i don't know how the two of them came across each other um you know, the, the song we listen to is going, going back to Georgia, so maybe there's a Georgia connection. I, I honestly don't know, but, I mean, you're right. It seems like Nancy Griffith is kind of one of those uh, almost Carole King type. Like, she's a songwriter, songwriter. Right? Yes. Like, anyone who, who records or writes music loves Nancy Griffith. Um, and she has such a unique voice. And That's a really good comparison. I was thinking about Joni Mitchell. and oh, I sure. mean, it, it is that thing, but for country. Yeah. And she's worked with Willie Nelson and slightly more contemporary, although at this point not as, but Adam Duritz from The Counting Crows. She did a duet with him, too. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's one of the reasons why I love this song. It's kind of how I was introduced to her. So I was a big Counting Crows fan. This comes out in 94, like you said. And, uh, oh, my gosh, Adam Duritz is doing a duet with this person. I need to find out more about Nancy Griffith. And then it turns out, you know, the tree, it, it branches off in so many directions. Um so she was that, that was an important moment to be introduced to her stuff. Now we're going to talk about eyelids. Okay, what? Wait, we were just talking about Cracker. Yeah. Right? Oh, who yes. Who is Camper Van Beethoven related. True. Who is eyelids related. Yes, it all comes around. How are we making this turn without... <laughs> 
planning this turn. My notes say that we have members of the Decemberists, Guided by Voices, and Camper Van Beethoven. Right. Okay. What is Peter Buck's relationship to Eyelids? Uh Peter Buck lives in Portland, at least part-time. Uh, and you know so, what? That also makes sense. Doesn't it? <laughs> I feel like, I mean, all these people live in and around the Portland area. Correct. Yes. Yes. So that that's kind of it, right? Like, this is his dream life now, is Peter Buck is in Portland. There are these amazing musicians who write these incredible songs. Um Members of of Decemberists who are not Colin Malloy uh, <laughs> have some other ideas, and uh, they so they need an outlet for that. And Eyelids is it, and you know they just kind of get together. Uh, they put out a records par- fairly frequently, actually. Um, sometimes it's just a seven inch. It might be a you know limited to five hundred copies of seven inch single. Um, they do put out some full length records. They had one last year called The Accidental Falls, which is awesome from front to back. Again, it's it's people that are getting together, writing songs that they enjoy writing. And again, it has that kind of 80s college rock feel to it. Just a great sound. And you just get the feeling, again, these people uh, find a week in their schedules to record these songs. And they're like, eh, let's do it. Let's just, let's just see what happens. Do you know, are they on the Kill Rock Stars label too? Because that's a very important Portland label that many of these bands are on or have been on or, or are associated with somehow. I believe so. At least one of their one or two of their records. I don't know that they all are. I know the Decemberists yeah. are. So yeah. it would surprise me if they're not. Yeah. Eyelids. The song we are going to play is "Slow It Goes." So again, this is members of the Decemberists, guided by voices, and Camper Van Beethoven, all produced by Peter Buck. And it sounds the way you think it's going to sound. Uh, that's a great way to put it. <laughs> yes. If you're familiar with those bands, you know exactly what you're getting yourself into. It's so good. This is "Slow It Goes" on the mixtape on ninety point three KRNU.
90.3 KRNU, that one, Filthy Friends, which is a side project of Peter Buck's. This entire mixtape has been about Peter Buck, the guitar player from R.E.M., and I'm here with Brian Petrata. We've been talking about all of these bands that Peter Buck has been involved in, either featured as a musician, playing mandolin or guitar, something of that variety, produced on, or of course, R.E.M., which is the primary band that he was in. Uh, That was Filthy Friends, and that is also a band, I think, that's on the Kill Rockstars label in Portland. Yep, they sure are. Um, and again, it fits the mold. So uh, he likes Slater Kenny, and Corin Tucker is around, and they knock back some ideas, decide, hey, we have enough to do a record. And so they did a record, and then they did another record. They had so much fun doing it. Um, and I, I, I feel like I should mention that, that Scott McCoy is kind of the glue on most of these things. Uh, he plays on the Baseball Project. He plays on Filthy Friends. Um, I'm not sure if he plays on Eyelids, but I think he's shown up there, too. Um, Scott McCoy is one of those names that, you know, he's not a rock star. Most people don't know who he is. Um, if you know him at all, it's probably because he was the touring guitarist with R.E.M., but he's done so many things. He played in a band called the Minus Five back in the 90s. Yeah, I love the Minus Five. Yeah, yeah. They had some wonderful records. Um, so he's he's kind of been on the outskirts of all of these things. And he seems like one of those guys that people just love to write with and play with. And so he's also in this Filthy Friends project. I really, I love the sound of this whole Filthy Friends record. This is a sort of, quotation marks, super group, too. Yeah. Yeah, so we get Steve Wynn again from, okay, from right. Dream Syndicate uh, and Baseball Project. Yeah, so he's involved in that. Um, I want to say uh, Linda Pittman, I believe, was the drummer on this one as well. So, again, kind of that same usual suspects, but uh, just shuffling out some pieces. It's funny to me that it's pretty much a lot of the same folks on a lot of these projects, and they could have just made a band and just done records with that band and yeah. called themselves whatever it is. But instead, we're just going to make a thousand little tiny bands and only put out one or two releases and then move on to a different thing. But I guess that's what you get to do when you got Peter Buck money <laughs> and Peter Buck talent. Exactly. Again, it, Peter Buck can do that. Like That's the career I think most musicians would love to have. Like Isn't that the dream? You just call up your friends or people that you respect and you get into a studio and you write some songs together and you release a record and you don't have to worry about whether it charts and you don't have to worry about playing 100 shows a year to make a living at it. It's the dream life for Peter Buck. Yeah. Well, we are all benefiting from the dream life of Peter Buck. Thank you so much, Brian, for talking about all of these Peter Buck songs. Uh, They're incredible, and I love this playlist. We'll have another mixtape next week, Sunday at 6, of course, and then you can check this one on Spotify, Twitter, at the mixtape, KRNU. Brian, thanks for coming in. Thank you. This was my dream life to talk about this subject. Oh, yeah. No? Okay. Radio cash on pirates are life Orbiting your living room Cashing in the Bill of Rights Cuban army surplus or a few